we brought our baby Kayla to the New York Stock Exchange and she got to see mommy stand on the bell podium um, and ring the closing bell. And about 130 million people watch this ceremony every single day. Welcome, everybody. This is Ordinary People with Extraordinary Stories. I'm Clara Weisberg, host of this podcast. Joining me today is a very special woman. Her name is Devorah Bachvili. Thank you so much for joining us all the way from Israel. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure. Thank you. And you're, you're in Lod in Israel? Yes, I live in yes. Shikun Chabad in Lod, yes. Wow. Okay. So Devorah is joining us. And what I found fascinating about Devorah is how successful she is in business, but yet her priority is and always remains her family. In fact, the first interview that I interviewed her, um, the pre-interview, um, it was so cute how you were just like running to your newborn. <laughs> um, and it just, and then juggling, I don't know, your two-year-old or how old was that? You know, I that my four-year-old, yeah. Four-year-old. Just juggling it all, and it just made me realize this is what women are all about. This is what we're we're juggling constantly in our lives. But I found your story very fascinating. So a, a couple of weeks ago, you were actually in New York at the New York Stock Exchange, and you were up there at the very big ceremony, the very important ceremony of ringing the bell together with the president of the New York Stock Exchange. Can yeah. you tell Can you tell us a little about that? What brought you there, and how did you get there? Sure, sure. So, you know, a little bit about me. So my background is in finance and economics. I was um, graduated from the University of Pittsburgh. I'm raised in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, a member of the Chabad community, and my parents and uh, most of my siblings still live there. Um, so I said I attended Pitt, graduated with a degree in finance and economics, and um, I did a little bit in banking, um, a little bit in the diamond industry, actually, kind of finding my way. Um, and then about uh, eight years ago, I made Aliyah to Israel. I met my husband. We had a, we were a shidduch, married, and I moved here to Israel. Um, and I joined uh, the Intercontinental Exchange, where um, I started working actually in their derivatives business, doing uh, data and analytics um, for the, the data arm, I guess, of the New York Stock Exchange. Um, so how it works is that Intercontinental Exchange is actually the parent company and has many different uh, silos. One of those silos is the data business and another silo is the New York Stock Exchange and there are many other lines of business. So we kind of all work together, but sort of have a separate uh, remit. Um, so you're working from Israel, like with, with the internet, with the ICE? Correct. Correct. Okay. Correct. So in Israel, there's about 300 people that work for, uh, we call it ICE. Although I know in, in America, ICE sounds a bit different than it does in Israel. Right. There is a, a different connotation, but uh, ICE, Intercontinental Exchange. So yes, it's about 300 people that work here, mostly in research and development, um, because that's kind of the, the Yiddish cup is here in Israel. And um, you know the Jewish the Jewish mind is is, is very very strong in that. So um, I represent um, the um, more of the sales and the business development arm of the business, and my background is in finance. So when uh, we would go to banks, we go to corporations or asset managers who are looking for data or solutions for managing assets or um, you know, creating algorithms and these kind of different things. So they do need to use um, a lot of technology and that's really what I represent. So my focus is the business development part of that in Israel, uh, in Turkey, Dubai, Bahrain, Qatar, um, a lot of North African countries. So um, that's, you know, that's what I do here today. 
Um, and this past year, Bar Hashem, one of our most successful years, we were actually awarded the Top Performer Award globally for the entire company. Um, and with that, yeah, it was, it was kind of cool. <laughs> and, with that, and with that came uh, the, the honor that is, that is given to the Top Performer globally is uh, to ring the closing bell at the New York Stock Exchange. So um, this year was a year with a lot of change. You know, there, there's obviously a war going on in Israel right now. It's not, a, not an easy time. Um, we had a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of issues. And on top of that, I actually was expecting um, my fifth child. And um, a lot of people, you know, asked me, like, how is it possible to be successful when you're under so much, uh, so much stress? You have your family stress, obviously. You have missiles flying over your head. Um, I can't tell you how many meetings got interrupted. Where I was like, a siren goes off. See, you know, we have to quickly run away. You don't tell your client goodbye. You kind of come back right. after 10 minutes or so and say, sorry, there was a missile, you know, missile warning. We had to go sure. to the safe room. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. We don't, you know, you don't even think about that. But yeah, on a day to day basis, I mean, so much is going on. How yeah. did you deal with all that stress? I think I think it comes down to just being really authentic and being really honest with your clients. So during that time where we did have a lot of sirens, I would preface the meeting with, you know, if we do get interrupted, I'll be back in 10 minutes, hopefully. Mm -hmm. um, and many of our clients, you know, were very, you know, understanding about that. They they, under, they understood that this is something we obviously can't control. You know, it's really spontaneous if that happens. So um, we would come back and, and they would all ask us, are you okay? Is everything okay? You know, Baruch Hashem. Oh. Um, yeah. Most of the time it is, you know, we're very lucky we have the Iron Dome system and we have the most wonderful army in the world. Um, and, you know, God should just protect all of our soldiers. We obviously pray for them every day. So, yeah, it's um, it wasn't an easy time. It really was a difficult year. And on top of that, of course, um, like I said, I was expecting. So I knew that I'd have to go on maternity leave at some point. So we really only got about, you know, 10 months out of the year to work. And with all that, we were able to succeed, you know, the targets that set by the company by a huge amount. Um, wow. Yeah. Amazing. And with that was that was that honor. So when they told me, you know, listen, you're going to be given this award to, to, to ring the closing bell, I almost didn't want to go because I have a two month old and I was thinking to myself, how is it possible to, you know, travel uh, from Tel Aviv to New York? And it's, it's a schlep. It's also winter in New York. It's very cold. Um, right. And, um, you know, I was thinking, you know, how are we going to make this work? And really the only way it can work, I think, is if you have a very supportive environment. And my husband is 100%, 120%, how many times my partner and everything that I do. Um, and he said, let's fly together. You know, let's go together. We'll take the baby with us. Um, my mother-in-law, who again is also the most amazing woman ever, she watched my four other kids who are young children. Um, she watched them for, for the week that we were gone and we flew together to New York and we brought our baby Kayla to the New York Stock Exchange and she got to see mommy stand on the bell podium um, wow. and ring the closing bell. And about 130 million people watch this ceremony every single day. So it really wow. was, it was a huge honor, but I have to say it was very humbling that I could be that example in some way, you know, not just to many people who don't know who I am on screen, but also to my daughter who was actually there with me um, and my husband also on the floor there supporting me and my brother actually came as well as wife, and some other family members. So um, yeah, very humbling and very, very much creating a great experience. So I'm going to get to your children in a, in a minute, but first let's, let's focus a little on this experience. So I know when you came, you were actually wearing a necklace with the hostages 
And you obviously were dressed the way that you're dressed as a modest Jewish woman, wearing a shaitel, which is a hair covering a wig, wearing modest clothing. Um, tell us about how you were received. How did people look at you? And why do you why did you feel it was so important to do that? Well, I thought to myself, and I think this is a question that many of us, you know, consider as we go through life is, you know, what, what am I doing here? What am I doing as part of this job? It's, it's a job that I do. I enjoy it very much. I have a great time meeting clients, talking to people, but I always feel like the Rebbe asked from us more. He wanted us to know that wherever we are, we have a shlichot, we have a sort of a job to do, that we're here. It's not just about going there to do the job, but what else is there behind the scenes? Um, and I realized that if I was kind of given this honor this year, why, why didn't it happen last year or the year before? Many opportunities that it could have happened that we worked really, really hard and I wasn't pregnant and we could fly and there was no war. Why did this honor, why was this honor given to me this year specifically? And I realized that, you know, 130 million people or whatever it is, plus minus, watch this ceremony every day. There must be something that I could do here. Uh, what is my shlichus in this, in this role? And I thought to myself, okay, there is no, you know, you're not giving a speech or anything. Um, I'm going to put the necklace on for the soldier, the, for the hostages. It's for the soldiers and for the hostages, it says that my heart is with you in, in Gaza. Um, it it uh, raises awareness for the hostages that are unfortunately still there. Um, raises awareness for our soldiers that are fighting for us every single day that are protecting us. Um, and I thought that if I could do something, sort of an unspoken symbol, that would be the best thing that I could do. So I, I wore the necklace to show solidarity with the situation mm -hmm. and to show people that we don't, for, we're not, we're not forgetting them. We're very much with our hearts and minds are with our soldiers and with our hostages all the time. Beautiful. Wow. Beautiful. Um, when you, you know, I'm sure so many women are listening to this and saying like, wow, she did she just say she has five children <laughs> with a newborn? And I think your oldest is how old? He's seven. He's seven. Yep. And and you're young. I mean, you're, <laughs> you look beautiful nope, nope. and young. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and I'm sure they're saying, how does she do it all? I mean, how does she balance it all? And yet, I, what what comes across so clearly to us is is how your family is always family first, because many people would think that a woman in your position, you're very successful at what you do. You're a successful businesswoman. You're on the world stage. How why is it that you feel your family is your priority? Can you tell us a little about that? Yeah, I, mean, I think that that. And I would say, I was going through going through life, there was one of the Rebbe's teachings that always really rang true for me, and it still does. It's kind of like the the thing that I wake up every day thinking about and constantly turning over in my mind. And it, the Rebbe said, "If you could drill diamonds or polish gems, but you're baking bread, and even though baking bread is a life sustaining activity and is very necessary, you're kind of doing a sin because you have a talent." For something else. And I'm paraphrasing, that's not the exact words. Um, I believe it's from the Hayom Yom, um, you know, actually wasn't too long ago where that, that came up. And it kind of always pushed me through, you know, what am I really doing? What could I really do? If I wanted to maximize my potential, not just as a businesswoman, but as a mother, as a wife, as a member of the community, then I have to think about all of these different facets of my life and how can I maximize my potential? How can I use all of my talents to serve God and to, you know, to bring light into the world? So in being a mother, we talked about the business side a little bit, but in being a mother is 
the most important role that I think any woman can possibly have, as well as being a wife. I will not say that that's secondary. That is also extremely important. But being a mother is different because, you know, these are nishamos. These are souls that you were privileged to bring down into the world. As we learned that, you know, the souls actually choose us to mm-hmm. be their parents, right? Which is incredible if you think about it. There are five souls that chose me. As, as their mother. And, and, and I have such a, um, a privilege, such a host to be there for them. How can I, how can I help them be the best that they can be? You know, it, whether it's showing them an example, you know, I have two daughters showing them what it means to be a mother, hopefully, you know, the best way that they can, or to my sons, what it means, you know, to, to, to push yourself and to, to maximize their potential. Um, I think that that's, that's gotta be key. So, I do have a very intense workload, um, but um, I do so the early morning shift with the, with the kids. My husband actually goes to work early so that he can do the afternoons. So that's how we split the the workload. And I think that that's kind of every couple sort of has to figure out what works best for them as far as you know juggling everything. But I do the morning breakfast. I take the kids to school, um, and then I go to my second job, go to work, and then come home and. Between, I would say, when I come home, I would say 5, 30, 6 o'clock, whenever that is, until about 9, after the kids go to bed, I don't touch the phone unless it's some sort of emergency, but I really try to put that to the side. Um, we do all kinds of after-school activities, soccer, you know, karate. We do music. We do languages. Um, I make it a very much a priority to sit with my kids on homework. Both me and my husband do. I really want to go through the, what they're doing every day, um, talk to their teachers. I think in the end of the day, you know, if we're all working hard and trying to make a living, but my kids are not, you know, getting the attention that they need, then it's sort of like, what am I doing this for? I want to make sure that I'm also going to be there for them and push them and, and help them as much as they can. Because as I said, their soul chose me. So I have to do the best job that I possibly can. That's incredible. That's incredible that you keep your priorities so focused also. Um, and you're just, you know, the quality time that you spend with your children. I, I mean, I think I saw it in real in real life when we had that pre-interview and you were just <laughs> juggling your children. Yeah, um, it, it was beautiful to see, you know, a real life mother and a real, real life woman just doing everything, but doing it so with so much heart and so much love. Is that your baby? That's that's that is my baby. I think so. I think it is. I, okay. I, I think my husband's with her. I hope she's okay. okay. No problem. Um, and you you also um, in the in that interview in that pre-interview you were also talking about how you cook with your children and you make nutritious home cooked meals. Um, you know, it, it sounds like Wonder Woman. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's it's Wonder Woman. I think everybody has to choose their what they can do and what their priorities are. So I right. actually once saw a really great quote from uh, I think a CEO or a very high you know, executive on LinkedIn, she said, anything that doesn't create memories outsource to somebody else. Mm -hmm. So I love to cook. So I cook with my kids. We make homemade donuts. We do all kinds of fun stuff that creates memories for them. And I think that that's important. So I do that. Um, We do fresh challahs. We make little challahs for everybody on Fridays. Um, But I don't feel that ironing creates memories for me. So I do have help with the ironing and, um, you know, laundry, things that are a bit more difficult to get to. I do outsource that as much as I can. I think you have some time and you only get 24 hours in a day. So if it doesn't create a memory, then it's going to, you know, it's going to try to find a way to get to somebody else. But there are certain things I think that are really important. I think, you know, healthy food is part of, part of being a mom. We try our best to best our, that we can to do organic and to, to cook well and, you know, mm. do the best that we can. Amazing. Really amazing. Um, that's really so beautiful. 
Now tell us a little about your, you know, you, you touched on it a little saying the impact that you have on people in your position. I mean, you're, you're meeting with a lot of different people in the business world, a lot of very high profile people, um, and you travel, you travel to a lot of different places as well. Tell us a little about the kind of impact that you can have on their lives. For sure. I think that actually wherever you go, you can really make an impact. I don't think we know. Sometimes we can be sitting on the train or, you know, driving the car or even walking to school with your kids or I don't think we know who's looking at us and what they think. And wherever you go, you can really make an impact. Um, some, so some things that kind of stand out. Um, so I work in a, in a place where I'm, I think the only Haredi woman, the only maybe a Hasidic woman, um, there might be a few others, but they're in less frontal facing roles. Um, and I work with mostly people who are, let's say, more, more traditional, maybe more sarti, as well as people who are not religious at all. Um, and when I first joined the team, I think there was a lot of hostility. People had expectations that, you know, she's religious, so she's going to tell us, you know, how to change our life. She's going to tell us that we're not living life the right way. And of course, that was never the approach. The Rebbe taught us very clearly that it's about Havat Yisrael, it's about loving your fellow Jew, and it's about being a dugma chaya, by being a living example. Um, so, you know, when I first came, I would, um, you know, again, we are Chabad Nikim, we are, we have to do our shlicha. So on Purim, I asked HR, is it okay if I bring my husband? He can read the Megillah for everybody. Mm-hmm. And she looked at me like, what, like, why? You know, Purim mm-hmm. as you know, what's Megillah have to do with Purim? And unfortunately in Israel, there is sort of like a dissonance between what actually Purim is and what it has become. Um, so I said, you know, whoever wants to come, you know, if I can send an email out and she said, you cannot use the company email. You can tell people if they want to come, they can show up. So fast forward to, se- you know, seven years later, we use the company email. She sends it across the entire company. Um, and we had like 15 people show up this past Purim. Um, and in fact, um, I think and, and what brought that change? It was just your attitude, how you approached it. Like, how, how did you get that to, them to change their mind like that? I think is as you work with people and you show them that living a religious life doesn't have to be this scary, black and white, hard cut, you know, the world is a horrible place kind of approach. I think that if you show them as an example, again, just we're, we're normal people. We have normal lives the same way that you might not be religious, but you have kids. I also have kids. We have the same concerns. Did my kid have a good sleep? Did he eat breakfast? Well, is he happy? It's the exact same concerns that someone who's not religious has. We're, we're very much, 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 we have much more in common than we do not in common. We're all people in the end of the day. And I think that that approach, again, being the dogma chaya, showing the example, um, when I first joined, people asked me, but you're religious, but aren't you supposed to cover your hair? And I was like, it's mm-hmm. a wig. And they were like, oh, really? You know, they were completely taken aback. Um, compliments sure. to the, the Shetel Macher for sure. For right. that help. <laughs> um, Absolutely. It looks but, great. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, but uh, I think, again, it's, it's, it's just about showing that, that you, we are real people. We all have the same concerns right. and we have much more in common than we than not. And I think pushing on commonality um, one of the, the people that I speak with the most at the company, she's a good friend of mine, is complete. I would say she's anti-religious to an extent even, but we have great conversations and we can find things in common. And uh, she's a very intelligent woman and I get some great advice from her. And um, recently we started speaking Yiddish to each other because I haven't spoken it for many years and she thought it was interesting as a Jewish style, I guess Jewish folklore. So, um, you know, let's say things change and, and by just showing up every day, being that example and staying true to that example, being authentic, I think that's what, that's what brings people in. 
You speak a lot about your authenticity. Can you tell us a little, like, what does that mean to you? Well, I think authenticity is something that, I want to think about a good way to say it. It means being true to yourself. Mm -hmm. And that starts with actually spending time to get to know yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things that we started uh, in the community is a a weekly shear that we host on Sharhabi Tachon, the gate of trust. The Rebbe was very much a proponent of business people learning the gate of trust, Sharhabi Tachon, as a um, a segula for uh, sort of a a help with with livelihood, that if a person's struggling with their livelihood, the Rebbe encouraged them to learn uh, Shar Habitachon, not once, not twice, but even three times to keep learning it. And one of the things Shar Habitachon says, if you, you want to have trust in God, figure out exactly why you're doing this specific action. Why are you going on this business trip? What are you going to be really doing here? Find out who, what, what, drill down to the, to the real you. And that process really changed my focus as to how I was doing business and the approach also to myself. Um, I give the example that when I first went to university, um, I had a Jewish professor actually tell me, you'll never succeed because you don't shake men's hands. Mm -hmm. And I looked at him and I said, you know, I don't think that's true. You know, we're very accepting. He's like, no, no, you're not, you're just not going to make it. No one except in business, you have to shake hands. And you know, I would say there was a time where I thought, okay, maybe the, maybe he's right. You know, I was young, I was just out of university, but then, it wasn't me. That's not me. I'm not the person who goes out and shake men's hands. I'm not the person who's going to compromise on my values because of what somebody else is saying. And to be honest, I think if you approach the world that way and you say, this is me, this is who I am, I'm not compromising, the respect is enormous and people are more than happy to accept you for who you are. And even more so, they're more happy to do business with you because they know that they can trust you, that you've presented a real picture of yourself and then they they um, they feel much more at ease in doing business with you to the extent that I have clients who call me and tell me I want to do business with you. Tell me what I you know. Tell me what I, you have this. You have that. They they look for that opportunity to come uh, forward to me because or to our to our team because they know that we're always trying to present the real us and not trying to cut corners. That's that's an interesting point. You know, sometimes we think we have to bow to the world around us, and you're saying the opposite. Like stay true to yourself, and people will respect that. On the point of bowing, sorry, I will jump in because you mentioned the word bow. So actually when I received the award from the the president of the New York Stock Exchange is an incredible woman named Lynn Martin, and I respect her immensely. She actually gave me a bow (laughs) in front of the audience. And she said, no, she made it, you know, divorce. She's been very successful and she lives in Israel during a war and she had a baby and she gave me like this bow. And it's exactly what it is. I think when you're real and you, you stick to your, to who you really are, your authenticity, then the world comes towards you. And I've, I've seen that so much um, since, you know, since, you know, working in Israel and working in the, in this role, but even more so when learning Shara Bitachon, because Bitachon is about having trust, but also having trust in yourself and having trust in who you really are. And I think that once you can discover that, again, the world, the world bows to you in a very real way. Hmm. And, and it's so common for business people to feel that it's their, you know, it, it's, it's what they've achieved and it's what it's their hard work and it's their, their luck or their fate or their, you know, it, it's all their talent that, that, that causes the results. So I, I guess that really takes the whole focus and kind of turns it on its head and says, it's not only you, it's about God and God being a partner with you. No, exactly. And I think it comes back again to that, that my, I guess you could say it's sort of my mantra is that if you have this talent, that means that God wants you to use it. 
Mm-hmm. It's not just, a, you're not supposed to take this talent and then you just hide it from the world. So one of the things that my mother was very uh, pushy about, she said that you have a talent for languages, you know, learn as many languages as you can. It turns out, you know, today I speak five languages and a couple of smattering of others, depending on, you know, how much energy I have for that day. <laughs> but it turns out they came, you know, came in so much, so, you know, very handy as I travel into different countries, you know, I speak Arabic, I speak Hebrew, I speak French, I speak Russian, uh, English, obviously. And, and, you know, you never know how many different interactions can come about, not just business dealings, because people are more than happy uh, when you speak their own language to do business with you, um, but even opportunities to to reach out to people that you might never, never thought of. I was in Dubai uh, mm-hmm. on a business trip once, and um, um, I was walking with a bunch of colleagues uh, in the Dubai mall, and a man approached us, and he sort of broke in English with a heavy Russian accent. He um, asked us if we know where the Beit Chabad is, uh, the Chabad house is. And so because I speak Russian, so I started to speak with him. He explained to me that he's from Alma'ata, and he's, you know, he's heard of Rabbi Levi Yitzchak of Berdichev, and he's worked with the Shaliach there, and he didn't look very religious, but he told me, I'm looking for the Beit Chabad. Can you tell me where it is? And, and we directed him to... Um, to the, the Chabad house there. Um, so, you know, any talent that you have, it's not just for you to, to use it, to enjoy, although we do enjoy it. And, and my kids now, I, I try to encourage them as well to speak, um, to speak as many languages as they can. Um, but it's, it's to serve a higher purpose is to see how can I reach out to somebody else? What am I here to do God's work? And, and how can I use that um, wherever I am? So using whatever talent you have, whatever abilities you have, just for the, for the greater good, for something more than yourself. That's really for the service service of God, service right? To make this God. world to make this world a better place, to make this world a dwelling place for Him. And if He created me with these abilities, it must mean that He wants me to do something with them. Incredible! Wow, that's really special. Um, do you have any share stories that you can share with us about different people that you've impacted along your journey, along your career path? Sh- Sure, sure. I'm impacted. I mean, there are many people that I've I've met. I, we had a, a great story that I love to tell. Was again, we were I was in Dubai for a, a conference. It's a conference where all the Middle Eastern banks um, get together, and it's um, a huge population. You said from Qatar, from Bahrain, from you know Saudi Arabia, and all the <clears throat> all these uh, banks come together um, in Dubai, and um, we were you know, kind of chatting with people, talking, and this man walks up and we started having a conversation um and he asked me where do i work and i told him that i work in tel aviv and he's like oh that's so interesting um i have family in tel aviv and um this guy's name is wasim you know very arab sounding name and um he said i said oh really we're, you know, from where he's like well my my family is the mizrahi family from tel aviv and i said really wow. and this guy works in lebanon he's works at the lebanese bank and i said okay well um you know, tell me a little bit more. And he said, well, yeah, so my grandmother was actually Jewish, but I'm not, I'm Christian. I, I'm, I'm a Christian mm-hmm. and I live in Lebanon. I said, okay, is that your grandmother from your father's side or from your mother's side? And he thinks for a minute, he says, from my mother's side. I said, well, Wesim, just so you know, according to Jewish law, you're actually a Jew. And he looked wow. at me, oh, that's very interesting. Um, <laughs> he said, uh, but I'm very Christian. I'm like, okay, okay, you know, that's <laughs> fine. But um, I, I was uh, laughing with my colleague. One of my colleagues came from London who is not Jewish. And I said, just just our luck, you know, to find within this entire huge conference of hundreds of people, like probably the one one other Jew walking around, um, walking around this conference. So, um you never know. Maybe we were there to, to tell this guy that he is, in fact, a Jew. And I don't know what he did with that after that. But um, that was a, a good story that 
wow. to tell. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's beautiful. How about people's reaction to you as a, a religious? <coughs> I mean, you're in, you're in a field where there isn't a lot of women and especially religious women. How do people react to your, your obvious modesty? And you, you spoke about not shaking men's hands. Is there like, what, what is the reaction that people have towards you? I mean, in general, it's super positive. I have, I mean, a great story. I went to, um, I guess my, my Jewish colleagues are more scared of the fact that I don't shake men's hands than the, the clients themselves. I once went to Vienna for a, a to visit, <clears throat> excuse me, the very senior director of one of the largest banks in, in Vienna. And um, the, the kind of the analyst, kind of the lower ranking guy comes to meet me at the door, tries to shake my hand. And I say, you know, pleasure to meet you. I don't shake hands for religious reasons, but very happy to meet you. Kind of like, which is like my, my catchphrase. And then um, kind of just move along. And he said, okay, that's fine. And then he directs me to the boardroom where all of these senior directors are sitting. I am the only female and in this room full of, you know, other um, uh, senior, senior executives. And this guy walks in and he says, this is Devorah. She's from, uh, she's from ICE, but don't try to shake her hand because she's religious and she won't shake her hand. And so he did the work for me. He was just, you know, I never had to go in. There was never an awkward conversation. I sort of just laughed and I said, thank you very much for your help, you know, and, and you kind of just made it, you know, a, a pleasant joke. But um, again, the, the, the world comes to you when they, when you approach it with authenticity and, you know, not trying, I know some people who, make it more awkward or say that, uh, I have, you know, I'm not feeling well, or they try to make some sort of, you know, go around for not shaking hands. But the truth is it's because I'm religious. I won't mm -hmm. shake your hand because I'm religious and that's it. Take it or leave it. Um, and the world respects that by and large. Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, another great, great, um, great story was I was visiting um, one of the senior executive of uh, one of the banks in Turkey in Istanbul. And again, he go, the, the uh, gentleman goes to reach for my hand and I kind of give him a little smile. Nice to meet you. I don't shake hands for religious reasons, but it's a pleasure. Um, and he looks at me and says, oh, which religion are you? which is the first time I've had that question. I said, oh, I'm Jewish. And he says, oh, me too. <laughs> I was, wow. he tells me, yeah, and he tells me I, I went to Talmud Torah. I went to a you know, Jewish day school in uh, Izmir, which was traditionally a very Jewish city in Turkey. Um, but I, you know, tells me his whole life story and how he's, you know, moved to Istanbul, but he's still Jewish and he goes to the holidays. And I said, okay, would you like me to put you in touch with the, the Chabad? Oh yeah, sure. I'd love to talk to them. So, you know, yeah. you, you really, from that conversation, find somebody else to, who might be interested in, in sort of exploring his, his Jewish roots and, and finding out a little bit more about, you know, his heritage and his, and his identity as a Jew. So mm -hmm. again, I think it, approaching the world with authenticity and seeing that that really, that the world will come to you and the success mm -hmm. comes after you when you, when you're, you, you approach the world being real. Incredible. How about closer to home with your colleagues, um, with some of the colleagues, with the women who are at work with you? Have you had any discussions about Judaism? Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, many of them um, will come and ask questions about Tara Samishbacha, which is, you know, it, it is something that they might feel less comfortable That's, going to a rabbi about, about family for, purity. For the family purity or the laws yeah. of mikvah, right? Thank mm -hmm. you. Yeah. So um, they, they had this impression that if they go to ask a rabbi, he's going to be very strict and maybe, you know, he's going to give a very religious answer. But because I'm sort of normal and in the normal environment, it's easier to approach. So um, we've had many discussions about uh, family purity, Tara Samishbacha. Um, Another really great example was, um, so 
every Pesach, we try to get um, Shmora Matzah. Like the Chabad in Israel has these like small boxes of like three uh, matzahs just to give for the first night. Well, in Israel, there's only one night, but the, the first Seder. Um, um, to you know, to try and encourage people to do the seder and to have matzah, because you'd be surprised there are many people in Israel who on Pesach they might have on Passover they might have a family dinner, but they might not actually have matzah at the table. If they have matzah, maybe it's the machine-made, you know, kind of square matzah. So, so we know the Rebbe was very much a proponent of shmur matzah, which is the um, matzah of faith and the matzah of healing. Um, so it was for many years, my husband and I would bring these small matzahs to work and we'd do small boxes and we'd give it out to whoever wanted. And there was one year, I think it was actually this past year where I was probably about five months pregnant. I wasn't feeling great. So I was kind of, you know, taking a bit of um, time off. And my colleague who was more of a traditional, yeah, I would say he's, I wouldn't say he's super religious, but maybe keeps Shabbat. And um, he came to me and said, Devorah, you didn't bring the matzahs this year. I said, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm just not feeling, you know, I've been not feeling so great. And he said, don't worry, don't worry, I've got it. And he went to his Chabad house and he asked his shaliach for matzahs and he brought them to work and he made sure that everybody got matzahs that year. So, wow. yeah, so you're, it wasn't you're an was example. Taking it back. Well, it, right. it's amazing, right? It's amazing to think that, that, you know, from an example, like a couple of years of being with this person who initially had no interest, and I never thought people actually paid attention even, but they do. They do, and, and they're very inspired by it. And then for him to go on his own and then do, you know, take initiative on his own to go ahead and do it was was absolutely incredible. Wow, incredible. Um, Devara, do you mind if I share with our readers how old you are? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're 32 years old. You have five children from the Correct. ages of newborn to seven years old. You're a successful businesswoman. You're not only a successful businesswoman, but you bring Torah and Judaism and outreach to your workplace. So you're impacting so many people with whom you interact. Um, I, I'm sure a lot of our, our, our listeners are just thinking at this moment, like, how does she do it all? So many children, so young in age, so close together. Um, she's young. She's, you know, you have a certain maturity about you and a certain confidence. Can you give us the secret? <laughs> to- oh, gosh. Um, I think it's a lot of prayer for sure. I think, um, I think as, as women, sometimes there is the notion that we might not have this obligation to pray the same way that, that a man has to go, you know, to shul, he has to go to, to synagogue and pray three times a day and make sure that he's there. And sometimes we don't have that obligation. So maybe sometimes we lose touch with that sometimes. And I've mentioned to a lot of my, my friends and, and that I think it's important for us to pray because as women, we have such an ability to connect with God, even on an informal level. Um, so a lot of prayer for sure, mm-hmm. making sure that just to carve out, even if it's just five minutes, there's a great uh, sitter, a great prayer book that I recommend. It's called uh, Tehillat Nashim, which is, uh, it's the, the Chabad um, Nusach, the Chabad way of praying, but it's kind of split up into different tracks if you have how much, depending on how much time you have. Yeah. So I super recommend that because some days I've only got five minutes and maybe some days I got 20 minutes, but at least I've gotten something in. Um, I also think it's, learning, constant learning. So we started, you know, when I feel like after COVID, we started this um, shear, this weekly class for women on Sharha Bitachon on the gate of trust, because it was really important after COVID to kind of revitalize and to bring back um, the idea of trust. So constantly learning, constantly um, 
creating community, I think reaching out to others. When you, the more you give, I, I really think the more you get back, it sounds cliche, but certainly I, I see that, that, you know, we started hosting this year um, of the class, a lot of, I think we saw a lot of blessings from that. Uh, one of my friends was having a, bit, a difficult time. She asked me if she can host this year at her house because she wanted to have a little bit of blessings rub off on her and she started hosting it. And it's really created a community of women that are trying to uh, to get better, to improve in their service of Hashem, in their service to themselves and to their families. Um, so definitely prayer, community. And then in the, I guess the most important thing is in, in anything is just creating a supportive environment. So I, I think today, you know, we always love to look in, at the women and say, oh, she's a wonder woman. She's got it down. She's power woman. But really it's, it's from my husband. I mean, my husband mm -hmm. has been with me every step of the way. Um, when we were dating, I, I told him, I said, I'm not, I love to cook, but I'm not going to be in the kitchen all day long, you know, like, unless it's Friday, I guess I can do that. But, <laughs> um, but, you know, this is, this is kind of the career that I have envisioned. I have a goal, you know, I, I'd like to have a startup one day. I'd like to, you know, create a new product, bring something to the world that's different. And he said to me, I'm a hundred percent with you. And, you know, without him um, supporting me and, and, and being there and um, just being the incredible partner that he is, um, like obviously none of this would be possible again my mother-in-law who's an incredible woman helps us out a lot my sister-in-law who's here um as well my father-in-law was here all of my family's in the state so i don't have um them physically here helping me although you know verbally of course they're they're very supportive um but you got to have a, a supportive environment you have to have somebody who's willing to commit with you um and to be that partner and he is 100% there. And, and when I rang the bell, it was important for me that he was there as well, because my success is his success. It really is. It's, it's our success as a family. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how we approach the world. It's, it's me and him against the world, you know, and that's, that's just what it is. We're partners. Beautiful. Um, last question. And, and this isn't going to be what, what stocks we should all be buying. <laughs> Even though I'm sure everyone's wondering oh, get that. For that. <laughs> yeah, do you have any tips with that? Uh, check the official ICE website for the, for the information. <laughs> um, but what, what vision do you want your children? I mean, in, in you know, God willing, in, in a few years when your children are, are bigger, they're grown up, what vision do you want them to have of you as a mother? What do you want them to remember of you as a mother? You said memories are very important to you. So I, I'm just curious, what would you like them to think of you as? Well, I want them to be that kind of person who, who creates, like I said, creates those memories. So being there with them for all of their uh, experiences, um, whether it's you know, cooking for Shabbat or having, you know, challahs and, and, and making sure everybody has his own little challah in the shape that he wants because everybody has a different shape or um, sitting them with their homework and, you know, on their different exams um, and encouraging their curiosity, I think is a big part of it as well. I, um, I love learning. I love exploring things with them. Um, we read together all the time. We talk all the time. I, I want to be that example that when, you know, in the future, when they, when they get older, maybe they understand a bit more is that, you know, this is my mom and, and she, but she's always going to be available for me, no matter what, mm -hmm. any question that I have, I can feel comfortable to ask it from her. Um, I make it a policy to uh, never, ever lie to my kids, not even like a white lie, you know, we say, oh, mm -hmm. just tell the person at the door that mom's not home. I, I definitely uh, think that honesty, as we mentioned many times, authenticity, being real, that is so important with children. They a hundred percent know when you're 
kind of skating around the, the truth. Um, and I am very, very honest with them about the situation that the war situation, obviously appropriate to different ages. You kind of you make sure that that's correct. But um, being very honest with your kids and knowing and they should know that whatever you tell them is, is going to be 100 percent true to the best of your knowledge. Maybe your mm-hmm. knowledge is not limit is is not limitless, but um, you're always going to give them what you know and to the best of your ability. And mm-hmm. then they, they know that they can rely on you and to be mm-hmm. that kind of stable foundation for the home. And ultimately that the home is that safe place where they can come back to. Um, and when they have the home as a touchstone, um, then they're free to go out into the world with a strong foundation. And I think that that's ultimately what we all want from our kids. Of course, to be a chassid, yirishamayim, a lamdam, to be a um, uh, a follower of the Rebbe to be uh, um, uh, God-fearing and to be edu- and to be knowledgeable. Of course, these are the things that we want from our kids. But you know, at, at its core, it comes from a solid foundation of of that's steeped in truth. And I think that that's what I try very hard to create, and my husband and I try very hard to create together. Beautiful. Thank you so much for joining us, Tavora. This is really so inspiring to hear your words. And it's inspiring to see your perspective and your priorities that are so, um, so well, you know, maintained in, in, in everything that you do. Um, last thing, you must be a very organized person, are you? Um, <laughs> in some, I can say in some things I'm very organized and other things I really, uh, actually my husband is very organized. organized. He, helped me, he helped me say he's very good about helping us stay on track. So, um, yeah, we, it has to work together. So uh, you do need a lot of organization. Absolutely. You need to have good time management skills. But uh, again, it works together. Right. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us and continued success in your business endeavors and your career endeavors, as well as in your most important endeavor of raising your beautiful Nashamos that actually chose you to be their mother. So thank you so much for joining us. Oh, man, thank you so much for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Wow, what a great interview from Devorah. You know, when I first saw that picture of her at the New York Stock Exchange, I said, wow, I want to hear who this woman is. I want to get to know her a little bit to hear what her story is. And at our first preliminary interview, uh, when she was just telling me about herself and when I saw her with her children and holding her newborn and just giving them the priority that they deserve, I knew that this was someone who I wanted to interview for all our listeners. I think, Devora, what, what struck me about her interview is how she says her children actually chose her, their souls chose her, and how that is going to be something that is, is, is something that she always remembers in parenting her children, and how she wants to provide them with the memories that are lasting, the memories that give them a foundation. So here we have this woman who is so out there in the world, uh, such a success in the business world, yet remains the pri- her, her priority remains her children and her family because she knows that that is what ultimately is the most enduring. And that's what I found truly extraordinary. If you enjoyed watching this podcast and you'd like to see more podcasts, please make sure that you are subscribed. You can find us on Chabad.org forward slash extraordinary. We are also on all podcast platforms, streaming platforms. Make sure that you subscribe to us and that you can then get to hear the next episode that drops. Thank you so much for watching. We'd love to hear your comments. We read all of them. And um, it really inspires us when we hear back from you what you enjoyed and what you'd like to see. Thank you again for joining Ordinary People with Extraordinary Stories.